Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular entertainment at varying increments. I'm Britton. And I'm First Uncle Prime. Britton, explain my phrase. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> Uh, well, guys, as you can tell, Tyler is not here, as he announced on the last episode. He is now a dad. He and his lovely wife, uh, Alex, who we call Alex Prime, uh, just had a little baby, a little boy. Um, and so, uh, Alex, this Alex, podcast Alex, um, in a feat of what I can only call nomenclature agility... <laughs> has not only usurped me in in our pursuit to be best uncle but has also adapted her moniker uh look look i'm i'm first uncle that doesn't mean best okay oh fair Hmm. fair um (laughs) but yes uh tyler and prime are doing great the whole family's happy and healthy and uh we can attest the baby is adorable just a precious little boy in 2020, we needed a win. <laughs> oh, man. And we got one. Uh, so while Tyler's on paternity leave uh, for this week, Alex and I are going to do this one solo. And hey, Alex, let's do this one for the haters. Oh, my God. All right. They said we couldn't. They said we shouldn't. But we're going <laughs> to. No matter what. <laughs> they'll, uh, Tyler will, will text us and say, wait for me. And will respond, no. <laughs> uh, so we are, mo- we've, we've been talking to Tyler. Uh, next week, we will most likely have Game of Thrones Season 6 Part 1 for you guys. But possibly it'll be, be me and Alex again. Just kind of depends on how things are going over there at, uh, at Baby Central. But uh, in the meantime, Alex, tell the people a little bit about what we're doing today. Sure. Um, well, our our, uh, our usual followers who who have been with us for a while should remember that a while back, maybe about a year ago, about that. Oh, point, yeah, about that. Yeah, just about. Um, Britton and I did an episode once again without Tyler, where it was just a one-off episode where we gave each other several recommendations for movies that that person had not seen, and then we kind of chose one of those to watch, and now we're gonna. Or, or we reviewed those. Um, I think back then we didn't really have a theme. It was just, here's several movies that you have not seen. Yeah. But this time, since it's semi-close to Halloween, we were like, horror movies. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. I don't know about where our listeners are, but where we are, it is It is really starting to feel like fall. It is just incredible. It's like, yes. cool outside. It, we've got some leaves turning. And what that means is, chain rattle, chain rattle, Oh, spooky. Um, Ooh, hoogans. <laughs> now, Alex, uh, I do also, and Tyler, little editor note, you may want to uh, maybe remove your child from your vicinity because when I announce the movie I'm recording, you might uh, you might start screaming. Uh, <laughs> uh, how should we reveal the movies and then go in order, or do you want to reveal them as we go? Um, let's go ahead and reveal them. We'll, All right. We'll, we'll, we'll both do that. So I'll, I'll go first. Um, yes. So mine's kind of, I, I guess, a smaller film. I, I hadn't heard of it prior to you recommending it to me. It's uh, The House of the Devil. Nice, nice, nice. By Ty West, which, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not a remake, is it? 
I don't believe so. When I sent it to you, okay. I, I specified the director because I was like, I bet there's been a movie called The House of the Devil before. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because when I found it on Amazon, there were like three different versions, but oh, okay. like they were all the same movie, and a mm. couple of them were listed as 2009, and one was listed as 2010. So I just huh. wanted to make sure that I wasn't like getting now, mixed up on that. I think IMDb or IMDb. I think Amazon just will do that sometimes. There's like we have three different. Maybe it's like, I don't know, just three different – you can watch this movie at three different places. Two of them are free. Like it's, They just get weird yeah, like I that. Don't know. A few of their old movies are like that. Um, yes, and the movie that I chose, uh, I dipped back into the archives of Here Comes the Sequels, and I said, hey, I wasn't here for that one. And I said <laughs> – <laughs> I watched <laughs> the movie I chose today – Whilst Tyler is away caring for a beautiful child and furthering our species is Alien 3, (laughs) Um, which is also about a person carrying a thing in them, (laughs) though it's not as cute as the the baby. While Uh, Tyler is away, Alien 3 will play. (laughs) (laughs) But I I was really concerned uh, before I started the movie, I was like, I don't – what if I love this and I have uh, in some way betrayed Tyler in the in the nascent stages of his parentage? What if I have betrayed him and end up loving this movie? Tyler, I didn't betray you. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I think all, all, is, all is as it should be. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, me, I feel like I should explain that choice and why I sent it to you. I, um, oh, I, I, I want reasons. <laughs> well, I mean, it was really just. I mean, I feel like I've hyped it up for a long time about how it's just like this super weird departure from the first two Alien movies, which you had seen and you like both of those. Uh, sure. We saw Aliens in the theater, yeah. which was really really fun. Um, See, so yeah, I, I was just interested because like it's David Fincher, it's like this really atmospheric horror film, and it's not really so much action packed. Um, I have a soft spot for that movie. I actually think it's quite good. I recognize that's probably not, you know, I'm probably in the minority on that one, but I know the movie has kind of gained a a cult following of sorts over the years, particularly when they released the extended version that added back a good chunk of the plot. Mm. Um, But yeah, I was just kind of curious about your thoughts. I I figured that was a risky one to send your way, but I also thought it would be funny because Tyler's not here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I... um... Do we want to start with Alien 3 or do you want to start – I guess we're already talking about Alien 3, so should we just go ahead and do Yeah, let's that? start with Alien 3. Okay. So uh, let, let me go ahead and uh, give the stats on that. I know we, we did that early on in the podcast, but I, I may as well since that's you know standard procedure for, for the podcast. Um, Alien 3, directed by David Fincher until he disowned it. It has a 44% <laughs> critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 47% audience score. Is I that, believe is it's that... from 1992. Is that as of now or as of when y'all reviewed it? Let me check if the scores have changed. That's what I have back in my notes. Um, It would be funny if it was just like, had just like, I don't know, skyrocketed since. Yeah, so let me pull it up. I've got it right here. Uh, Oh, somehow it went from a 44% to a 43% (laughs) for the critic score. So... (laughs) All right, shows what I know. Um, so, Britain, uh, yeah. give me your best thing and your worst thing about Alien Three. 
Sure. So, um, similarly, I, I didn't find this movie to be like cartoonishly horrible in any, by any means. Um, I'm going to say my worst thing in terms of just picking a specific bit. I also qualify. I watched the assembly cut, the two and a half hour. I watched, okay. I watched that one. So I, I don't know the the differences between that and the, the, the standard cut, but that was the one I watched. Um, okay. I, I can uh, go over some of the, the okay. kind of major differences in a bit. Um, I'm going to say that my worst thing was actually, maybe this was just the, the, the version I, they had on HBO max, but the, the dialogue was mixed really weird. Um, it seemed like I think that's one of the complaints about the extended cut, and that's so just because strange. it's the rough production assembly sure. cut of the movie. So okay. a lot of that stuff isn't refined, and I okay. I think that's a kind of a common complaint. So you're not alone in that. Because I definitely found that, like, for instance, Charles Dance, I tended not not all the time, but I tended to understand him a little bit better. But then, and I know sometimes people are just speaking low or purposely mumbling, but there's a lot of points where I, I their their voices just weren't that audible. Um, and so I had to throw up the subtitles, and hey, Tyler was right. The subtitle situation on HBO Max is a little busted. <laughs> it's not terrible by any means, but it was very blocky and took up a lot of the screen. And I was like, hey, you're blocking Charles S. Dutton. Come on. Um, so, yeah. My best thing about this movie, I'm going to say, is the cast. Uh, specifically, shocker, Sigourney Weaver is really good. I think she just like soars above the the weaker bits of the material in this. Um, Charles Dance, obviously, we're all big Charles Dance fans over here. Yes, um, I, I think it might be Sigourney Weaver's best performance in any of the Alien movies. She's so good, like just everything I, I, she does is wonderful. I mean, I know she was Oscar nominated for Aliens, but yeah. I, I actually think she's she's even better in this one. I think she progressively gets better, and then Alien Resurrection is just kind of weird, but she's still good in yeah. that. <laughs> well, my, my dirty little secret is that I've only seen Aliens once and don't remember it super, super clearly, and I've seen Alien yeah. twice, and so I, obviously I'm a little more familiar with that one. Uh, and then Charles S. Dutton, who I just enjoy on principle, I, I quite liked him in this, and I didn't realize he was going to be like the second lead, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I liked him a good bit. Yeah, the the movie like, it, I think I think my, really my biggest thing was it, I just felt kind of sluggish, and whereas the first Alien, there's not a lot of viscera, there's not a lot of, it's not action packed either, but one, it, it's shorter. But, well, similarly to the movie that you'll be talking about, in Alien, the first one, there's a lot of just tension building, just the architecture of the ship and right. the uh, dynamic between these space people, sp- space people, <laughs> the astronauts, <laughs> um, and it's about building that tension and then gradually just kind of stabbing you as they get picked off. And this one was a weird kind of combo of the of one and two where it definitely felt more like a horror movie because the second one is essentially just like a big action blockbuster uh and this one is it's got a little bit of that but also tries to be more of a horror movie um i didn't find a lot of the kills that memorable except for the guy that slides into the fan blade that was that was pretty good um and then there's a great line that charles dance has where he's like oh it was so and so how do you know that? That's his boot. <laughs> like, that's great. But yeah, it just felt sort of... the whole, Overall, the movie just felt sort of sluggish. And some of that may have just been me, like, subconsciously writing it off. But um, right. I don't know. I didn't find myself as, as gripped 
as I might might have wanted to be. Sure, I th- I think that makes sense. Yeah, I maybe it's just because I've watched it many times, so I'm kind of used to how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I, I do agree that you know. There's an ideal middle cut somewhere between the theatrical cut and the assembly sure. version. There's an ideal version of that that picks up the pace a little bit. And I think this is kind of Tyler's problem with kind of the continuing sequels of, of you know, either Alien or, or Predator. At a certain point, it's not necessarily the tensions removed, but the fact that they keep trying to build up suspense and mystery. And it's like, we know it's yeah. an alien. Like, get a move on. Right, right. Um, but... I, it does take a while for the alien to actually start doing things in the movie, yeah. which, you know, for some people that's a problem. For me, it's not really. I'm mainly drawn in by the atmosphere, by the score, yeah. and by the performances. Like, all of that stuff works really, really well for me. And I think most of the cast, they're genuinely funny. And I yeah. don't know how... For people that haven't actually seen Alien 3, the premise is Ripley get she crash lands on a prison planet and so it's a bunch of murderers and rapists that have like reformed and there's this weird religious cult that they all follow and it's like really interesting because because the the aliens almost like this devil that comes to to take them all out and so it's like this this thematic religious battle it's it's very interesting to me um but but it's like oh these guys are like all really terrible people but they're funny right like, I, I always remember the bit where it's towards the end where they're running around. They're trying to get the alien trapped so they can pour the lead on it. Mm. Um, and they a couple of guys just kind of bump into each other because it's just like endless corridors and nobody knows yeah. where they're going. <laughs> and one of them goes, no, you you don't run with the scissors out, you idiot. You're going to get someone <laughs> killed. <laughs> like, in the middle of this t- horrible scene where the alien's like slowly picking off people and chasing people around. Like, a moment like that, like, it worked perfectly for me. Yeah. I am. I think one of those guys is Ario Hota from Game of Thrones. Actually, I think so too. He he's in the cast list, and I uh, I couldn't. I, I forgot to pick him out until I saw him in the credits. And apparently, Great John Umber, who's a character who just sort of evaporates into the mist of Game of Thrones after the first yeah. couple seasons, he's in there somewhere. And obviously, Tyler. Okay. Um, and, and Pete uh, Postlewaite is is in there too. Yeah. It was so. Uh, I mean, I I always enjoyed. People with weight. He was in everything when I was growing up, and uh, it was just cool to see him like in a movie like this because it just made me think about Lost World, <laughs> not only in the sense yeah. that of Pete Postlethwaite. But uh, I will say, aesthetically, it's a is a terrific looking movie. I mean, the production design is is marvelous, and uh, Fincher and I I don't have the the attachment to him that a lot of people do, but. All of his movies look great. <laughs> I mean, I watched yeah. Zodiac recently, and Zodiac's a like deceptively beautiful movie uh, mm-hmm. for as as dim and blue and gray as it is. Like that's the point, and he manages to make it like interesting and dynamic and light it yes. in, a, in a in a neat way. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know yeah, how and, much and, you know about it. Um, this was actually like a, like part of Fincher disowning the movie. Like it was a huge nightmare to make this yeah. movie. Yeah, I was reading um, a little bit about it. Yeah. And they had a different director and different screenwriter, like, in the middle of pre-production, and they axed that while they were building sets. So basically, they bring on Fincher, and they're having to scramble to try and fix the story while they're shooting it. Yeah. So I think uh, the original 
kind of because this went through so many different scripts after Aliens because 20th Century Fox was just like we need we need a sequel to Aliens and they're like yeah but we don't know what to do what what do yeah. you do because the budget's going to get too big if we go to the alien planet and just right. do something with that um, we got to we got to do something that that can be a, a you know a reason reasonable budget and setting um, the the original concept that they were actually going into production with was like this wooden planet with they weren't prisoners they were monks huh it's like this very weird off the wall idea that doesn't really seem to fit in with the alien universe but it's interesting and so right. like they they kind of scrapped that and they were like prison planet just do that <laughs> hmm. i do i feel like in a way cuz i that that doesn't seem to fit but it almost like streamlines the religious element of it yeah, because keeping that and be like, no, they're prisoners, but then they're, they're also the prisoners left. So the ones that are left are janitors, and also they're zealots. Um, one of the few notes that I took was so. Let me see. Uh, so the prison planet is also a dystopian orphan commune, <laughs> like. Yeah, it it felt what? very much like I I expected one of them to be like, you come from the up up. We no <laughs> go there. We live in sacred house. You know, like right the way that they have kids talk in dystopian movies yeah i i could see you know seeing that and be like this feels like just a jumble of ideas but i i think the movie does a good job of kind of weaving in like why it is that way yeah like i i like the idea that sort of it's it's these prisoners that have been sent to like this backwoods planet they've just stuck in this this penal colony type thing these endless factories and the only kind of hope they found is this weird mold of like it's kind of christianity but kind of not like yeah and and the fact that they they've chosen not to leave because of that right yeah i think i, it's, I don't know i, I found yeah. all of that psychologically interesting i think it is and and what i think is is neat is it, it's definitely like monotheism because it's always god and heavenly father but there's no like judeo-christian uh like names you know they never say yeah. christ they never say abraham or anything like that it's it's only a, a a monotheistic deity uh but that means we get a lot of great monologues from charles s dutton a lot of cool speeches uh yep. also th there's a part where someone references shirley temple and they call uh, uh ripley shirley temple and i was like shirley temple is still like a pop culture thing 200 <laughs> years after <laughs> really yeah i was like that's awesome well, in fairness, I believe, uh, and you know, it's it's not it's not exactly the same. But I, I think one of them is drinking like a Coke or something in the scene. <laughs> like he's got a he's got a, a right. like a bottle of Coke. It's like in Rain of Fire. So it's it's like it. we're, we're still not completely abandoning like twenty twentieth century. Sure. I, just, I like I like that on another planet, two hundred years in the future, they know about Shirley Temple movies. Yeah. Um, and it's like in Rain of Fire where they're telling the Star Wars uh, movies as campfire stories. <laughs> right. Um, well, let me ask you some questions because the kind of the big sticking point that a lot of people have for why they don't like this movie is that they immediately kill off Newt and Hicks mm -hmm. and Bishop's basically, you know, he's trashed. We get a really good scene with Lance Henriksen where he's like this broken, deformed robot. Yeah. Um, but But the fact that the movie immediately starts... And it's just like, oh, remember the stuff you liked in the last movie? Yeah. Well, bye. <laughs> what so, did you think of that? I 
I was more bothered by Lance Henriksen coming back as the mean guy that built Bishop in his image. That bothered me. Who may or may not be a robot because it's very unclear and I don't think very well done because he gets hit on the ear and it's it looks like a robot part hanging out, but there's human blood. It's not like the white liquid. Exactly. That that was all strange. Um, I that bothered me a little bit more because it's like we're gonna take this character you love and make him a bad guy. It's very like oh, we uh, I don't know about that. But then, okay, do we know why? Hicks and Newt aren't in the movie. Like, was there contract stuff? Is there? Did they not want to be in it? Do we know that? Like, was was like? Did like Michael Bean and the young woman who played Newt just just say no? Or so I I I I know the reason Newt's not in the movie, but I'm not. Michael Bean's a little bit different because there's so yeah. many versions of the script that was written post Aliens. The reason that Newt's not in the movie is because the last writer who came up with the Wood Planet idea thought she was annoying and killed her <laughs> off. That's why. That's interesting. So, um. yeah. Um, Michael Bean, I'm not so sure about because I think there were kind of questions about, well, if Sigourney Weaver doesn't want to come back for a third one, then we'll have Hicks be the main character. Like, he can carry this franchise on. But right. then I guess once they realized Sigourney was coming back, they thought maybe they didn't need Hicks anymore. I, yeah. I'm not sure. Because I know that there's a lot of stuff where he – they were going – they, like, built a – like, a, a fake uh, – like, a, like a, a a corpse of him. And he was like, you can't use my likeness without my – so he was, like, going to sue them. And then they were like, oh, never yeah. mind. Can we just use your picture? Like, there's all this legal battle. And then they paid him it. more for that picture than he got paid yeah. for Aliens, which yeah. I think speaks to just the – the complete chaos that this movie was in. (laughs) It's just wild. And one of the, like the story by credit, one of those writers was Vincent Ward, who, who I know from, he was the one that came up with the wood planet idea. He was supposed to direct the movie and he wanted Newt to die. The, the wood planet idea makes sense coming from what I know of Vincent Ward's other movies. (laughs) Um, yeah, because he made what dreams may come a much maligned movie that I really like. Uh, which I think is beautiful. And I think he took his the money he made off of the story for this to make Map of the Human Heart, which is another, like, human drama. <laughs> like, it was so yeah. weird to me that he was like, oh, we're also going to have him make this sci-fi horror movie. Like, Walter Hill is one of the co-writers, and I was like, Walter Hill making this movie makes sense. Rennie Harlan being attached to this movie makes sense. I don't know why like, Vincent Ward is in here. Um, yeah. But I that think was Rennie Harlan like, early on... His whole pitch was, we need to go to the alien homeworld and do something sure. with that. And then they said that the budget would be too much for that buy. <laughs> yeah, which it would, but it would be cool. Um, yeah, and I know Fincher, like, has, I think he has since, like, softened a little bit of, like, look, I understand why it went the way it went, but it was yeah. still a really unpleasant experience. And um, I can't remember exactly how, because I was reading the, about like he thought his career was over, but then somebody gave him a shot and they let him make seven, and then obviously everything. Yeah. I think Sigourney Weaver was like really defensive of him to the press that she was like, "This is not his fault. the The, the studio was not cooperating." Yeah. Like, I like David Fincher. This is not. I'm not. Don't put this. Well, it's on just him. interesting because it, it seems to be that studio mindset that that always baffles me, and it's the same thing with like whether it's you know I, I know these these have a bit more context to them, but your Josh Trank situation, your David mm. Ayer situation, where it's like 
you have this person that has a specific style and specific ideas and a specific way that they you know accomplish making their films yeah you bring them on under the guise of yes we want that style we want your ideas bring them to the table we won't say no to anything and then right before shooting they go hold on we're saying no to stuff and it's like no but you right. agreed to x y and z why do you want to take yeah. away x and y now like it's it's very yeah. very annoying and and super frustrating it it does make me wonder like if fincher had full control even though they were still writing the script while they were right. shooting if he had full control while they while they were making the movie and particularly while they were editing the movie i'm curious how much different it would be if it would be yeah. different at all. Well, I know that he had said that, like, because he was a first-time director, he was like, I didn't have any clout. Like, there, yeah. were, I didn't have these other movies. It's not like I had already made a movie that was either commercially or critically successful so they could go, well, he knows what he's talking about when he's pushing for this whatever decision. We can see that it paid off in this other movie. There was no... Which makes me wonder why they even hired a first-time director to make this movie they were needing to save their studio. I know exactly um, that because it's we we've we've talked uh, in discussions of like the Marvel movies and the DCEU and everything why they want to pick these indie directors and the theory the going theory tends to be it'll give us some cred with their audience with like the the film student audience thing but also it'll they might be a little more moldable <laughs> as opposed to we bring yeah. in somebody like spielberg not that i wouldn't love to see spielberg make a marvel movie but like spielberg is like i have all of the inf are you really going to say no to spielberg's idea um right and so but I, so i understand i can see those versions cynically and not cynically i don't know why you would bring in unless it was just a matter of money that they were like we need this movie to make a lot of money and not cost a lot of money so let's get somebody we can pay you know in in pennies yeah, it just seems like such a strange idea, uh, and 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 I do think like to the movie's credit, it does not. It still feels like cohesive, like it's it feels like a movie. I I think that's that's the kind of the the biggest thing, and maybe maybe this isn't high praise when I say this, but like one of the reasons why I'm so fascinated by this movie and like it it never leaves my brain is just like it's coherent. You can watch yeah. the movie and it works like just yeah. purely on a plot level. Like ev there's a couple of issues with how the facehugger got on board in the first place and, sure, and sure, some sure. questions about that. But setting that aside, that's like that's like the opening premise. Like that, you, once you get that out of the way, the movie yeah. makes sense and it's it is surprisingly cohesive. And it's like so many of these movies where it's like we have to do endless reshoots and and none of it worked and and the studio was changing their minds all the time. Like, you can tell. Like, watching Fan 4-Stick or Suicide Squad, you can tell that it's a jumbled mess. Watching this, I'd be like, some dodgy special effects, but I feel like <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is a Fincher movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and we've we've talked about movies like Blade Trinity that, like, that movie's impressive that it even exists, considering all the, the production difficulty. And even something like Rise of Skywalker... Both of those movies turned out m very poorly, obviously, but uh, this still feels like I, – I didn't watch this movie and go, oh, it seems like they had some real production issues making it. 
watched this movie and I was like, okay, I'm not, it's kind of whatever to me, but like, yeah, this is a movie. If I didn't know that there were all these issues, I probably wouldn't have been able to glean that from the, from the, from the finished product. At least again, right. of the assembly cut, which obviously had a different uh, input. And, and to actually answer your question, I, if I had seen Aliens in the theater when it came out and had been a devoted fan of it for what, for, for how long, when did Aliens come out? 86? Aliens was 86 and this was 92. Yeah, so if I'd spent six years loving that movie, it would have bothered me very much that they just immediately got rid of those two characters. Having not seen Aliens in a few in a few years, I was like, okay. You know, I, and I already knew that was going to happen. I was like, obviously it would be cool to see those characters, but like, uh, yeah. okay. You know, like, well, I don't, uh, whatever. <sighs> Like, like it's hard for me to argue with someone that's just like, no, I liked those characters. The fact that they killed them off in the opening minutes of the movie, I feel like, is yeah. is like you're basically just pointing a middle finger at the fans. Like, I sure. get that. I totally get that anger, and that's how I felt for a long time. But I think there's an interesting thematic angle, like when you take all three movies in kind of looking at it as a trilogy of sorts and kind of the arc mm-hmm. that Ripley goes through across these three movies in terms of she – is just perpetually losing everything that she cares about to these horrible right. creatures that just will not leave her alone. And so the fact that she loses them like further cements that and just like, and, and then she eventually like, she finds out that she has a queen inside of her and she has to sacrifice herself. Um, like all of that, like once I kind of, th- those pieces, like I picked up on all of that, like it kind of clicked for me and I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, and and she has that line when she's about to confront the xenomorph towards the end, and she says like, "I've, you've been in my life so long, I can't remember anything else." Like, right. or I can, you know, that like, yeah, I, I definitely get it from a thematic standpoint, and I think if the movie were stronger overall, but also like, I don't know, I, I didn't watch the movie being like. Man, you know, the clear solution is just have Newt. Just have Newt here and everything would be fixed. But which again, I don't have a huge connection to that to that second movie, so. Right. It's, it's how how did you feel about her autopsy scene? You know, you had talked it up uh, a lot and so when I got to it I was like because so much of it is off-screen. Yeah. Um but like apparently the const- they they originally had a lot more like detailed stuff that they shot and apparently it even made like the special effects people like grossed out like they felt uncomfortable because they're like this is too real (laughs) it's so it's so like the idea of charles dance sawing into her chest um is is a bit disquieting especially the part where you put those stones with painted eyes over her her head (laughs) and he was like what this is what we're supposed to do She's blonde. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> oh, she died without getting to hear my birds and the bees speech. I'm so proud of that. <laughs> um, I was going to say something clever. <laughs> um, apparently they filmed a sex scene between him and Sir Granny Weaver that they never show, which is still clear that it happens in the movie, but they just don't show it. And I was like, yeah. I don't know how I'd feel about <laughs> watching Charles Dance and Sir Granny Weaver just make it happen. Yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. <laughs> not I, like, not like in a shaming way. I'm just like, that's, that's not aren't two people I would think to put in a scene together right, like that. Right. 
I, I think the movie kind of shoots itself in the foot by having Charles Dance sleep with her after we, we've come to know him and he and he immediately is just like, here's my horrible backstory. Feel yeah. sorry for me. Um, like he pours his heart out and it's like this really emotional scene and he's so good in it. And then the yeah. alien immediately gets him. Yeah. Which, once again, I, I feel like that's leaning into sort of what I'm kind of gleaning from it thematically in terms of every time she finds something even remotely worth caring about and immediately gets snatched away from her by the aliens. Like, thematically it makes sense, but I feel like the movie shoots itself in the foot by killing off Charles Dance when it does. Sure. Not, yeah, I can definitely get that. I, I will say I was... This movie had more of Charles Dance than movies usually do <laughs> when they cast yeah, Charles I know, Dance right? in them. Uh, so I was that was nice. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> but like I said, then we get to switch the focus over to Charles S. Dutton. So that was that worked for me. Um, yeah. You mentioned the dodgy special effects. It was so wild watching this movie. And this came out, I think, the year before Jurassic Park. And realizing... The Jurassic Park blends practical and digital effects together so beautifully. I mean, Terminator 2 is around the same time as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And here, all the practical effects look great. I mentioned the kills not being super memorable, but every single practical effect in that movie looks fantastic. If it's like the the little mouth stabbing the guy's head open, that beautiful shot of the alien like panting right next to Sigourney Weaver's head. Yep, like I believe that the uh, the scenes. fake bishop kind of broke in on the ground. I believe that's Gorgeous. all. That's not actually Lance Henriksen. Like even when oh, it's wow. emoting and saying lines, I'm pretty sure that's him just dubbing it. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's an incredible effect. Uh, the digital effects look so silly. <laughs> um, well, the problem is it's not CG. I think there yeah. is a single shot when it's getting destroyed at the end that's CG. The rest yeah. of it is a rod puppet on a blue screen, oh. which is interesting, and it just yeah. – it, it's not composited correctly. The color correction's off. It, it doesn't feel like it's there. And it looked I like, think like kind of pink in some angles. Yeah, it feels like the lighting is just really, really off, and I don't know if that's just down to they didn't have time to correct it or maybe right. something went wrong in the editing room. Who knows? Um I think that the movement of the alien, like, in those shots is fine. I think the actual, you know, the the work by the the puppeteers is good. It's just compositing the image into the film does not look right. (laughs) Yeah, especially when it was, like, just scurrying out of, down down a hallway or something. It's like, yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's that great shot where Ripley's backing up and then you see that it's, like, on one of the rafters over her shoulder. Yep. Like, that kind of stuff was terrific, and it, it looked great, and I loved the design and, and all that stuff. But, um, and, I, and so much of that, again, it's where the technology was at the time. Yeah. And they're just kind of doing what they, what they could with what they had. Uh, yeah. What were the other yeah. questions you had? Um, what did you think of Elliot Goldenfall's score? I liked it. I, I read that apparently when he was having to, like, rush the finale, because they, like, changed the finale towards the end. Yeah. Um, he wrote that during like the LA riots. And so that was part of why that is so, I mean, he was, it's also that score is tense because of what the scene is, but also like he was in a very tense place right. <laughs> because it was like, he was living in LA at that time. Um, 
But I thought it was pretty good. You know, I liked it. Yeah, I, I really... The ending where she's sacrificing herself, like yeah, the music cue that plays over that, I think, I yeah, think yeah, is yeah. wonderful. <laughs> this is probably my favorite score of the three Alien films. Okay. Because um, I think... Uh, no, James Horner did Aliens. Um, let me see who did Alien, because I should know that. It was Evangelist, I believe. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think both of those have really good scores, but this one for, yeah. like strikes a chord with me. I think, I don't know, something about it. Um, Apparently, uh, Ridley yeah, Scott uh, came to the set during so, the filming of this, and like was talk. And Fincher was like, "Here's all the problems I'm having with the thing," and he's like, "Oh, I worked on a big budget sci-fi movie once, and they were terrible to me." So yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's like, oh, Blade Runner. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about Ridley? I'll put it to you this way: I'd rather watch Alien Three than Blade Runner. I mean, Take the story makes more sense on its yeah. face. <laughs> um. So do you want me to go through kind of the, the broad strokes, kind of the big things that are different between the theatrical and the yeah, extended? Yeah, yeah, Okay. What's up? So probably the biggest, most substantial difference is that the whole part of the plot where they successfully trap the alien and Golic goes crazy and kills a couple of people and lets the alien go, yeah. all of that is is missing in the theatrical cut. So the idea oh. is that when, when kind of the... They, they're they trying to trap the alien when the fire starts, you know, everything just starts blowing up. Yeah. That kind of just leads the, the mission to be a failure. Like, it, it's just kind of cuts yeah, and it's just yeah. like, oh, well, what are we going to do now? Um, gotcha. As opposed to this version, the one that you watched, where even despite that, they are able to get the alien trapped in this little uh, room of radioactive mm-hmm. materials. Um, so I think a lot of stuff I, – I mean, it, it is – I, I I will admit, overall, with the flow of the movie, it makes sense to cut that, and it it does feel kind of clunky, and it's like, well, the movie's going on too long. We probably cut this. Sure. It, it, and also trapping the alien, I, that might take away a little bit from, from its kind of scary presence, and it's like, well, we yeah. can just lock it in a room. Um, <laughs> but I like Golic as a character. I find him kind of interesting. I almost feel like he needs to be in more of the movie as well because mm. I like that he's obsessed with the alien and he just can't stop thinking about it and he's he's willing to kill off his friends in order to free it. Um, yeah, well, that know. that was something that I found interesting about that is that he had this like religious yeah. zealot feeling about him where it, where it like I don't know I think that worked thematically in a way and I, I don't know I found all that kind of interesting um, yeah. and it's like that adds some tension. I understand. Mm-hmm. I definitely can see how it dragged on too long, but I would. Uh, I don't know. I was gonna say I'd rather it drag on too long, but I don't know. I feel like for me, it was like, oh, there's more, more interesting things are happening on screen, like consistently, yeah. and rather than, uh, it didn't work. <laughs> right. Well, it's just kind of interesting little... because in the theatrical cut, Golic is kind of there when the alien kills Charles Dance, mm. and then he's just out of the movie, like you just don't see him again. Oh, yeah. Which is. It's yeah, you forget him, which is yeah. kind of unfortunate. Yeah, that's silly. Um the other big difference is how the alien actually is born. So okay. in the version you watched, it's an ox that the alien gets right. born out of. Right. And the idea, because this movie doesn't really know how to set the premise up, 
in a very eloquent, easily explainable way. There's like this extra big face hugger, and you could, there's there's like a wide shot where the guy picks it up and he's like, "What is this? Do you remember mm. the shot?" Yeah, 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 I remember. And it's supposed to be bigger than a normal face hugger, so the idea is that it has multiple embryos. So the idea would be that it laid the queen inside of Ripley and then found the ox. Okay. The movie does not explain this very well, and I feel like that's a point (laughs) of contention. Just saying. In the theatrical cut, I don't think we ever see the face hugger. So there's the question of, well, how are there, how how is there like one alien hunting everyone, but there's also a queen? Like I don't know. There's questions about that in the theatrical cut. Um, it impregnates a dog. So the scene where the guy gets killed in the propellers, Uh he's like looking into that hole where the alien is and he's like, Spike, Spike, is that you? It's supposed to be that guy's dog that the alien Uh kind of bursts out of, which would explain why the alien kind of varies in size between different scenes. Sometimes it looks like it's about the size of a dog and it kind of runs around like a dog, which makes more sense. But then sometimes it's, it is kind of bigger, which makes it seem like, okay, maybe it did come out of an ox. I don't know. Um, that I, I I think that's kind of the one big element where it's like, you guys couldn't make up your minds while you were shooting this, (laughs) which makes me wonder, that is such, like, a weird thing to have two different versions of. Yeah. I don't know if maybe they thought... Because the ver- cause I'm thinking, like, from the studio mindset, it's like, well, we can't kill a dog. But that's the theatrical version. That's the version right. you ended up going with. It's weird. Yeah, because now that you're think, think, mentioning I remember having read something about a dog and, on IMDb and then not seeing it. In, and I just now realized that I didn't see it in the assembly cut. Right. Not that, you know, I've already seen the thing, so I'm probably good on aliens and dogs. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, I, I was not going to ask you, oh, hey, if you choose Alien 3, you've got to watch it twice. you got to watch the two <laughs> div- versions of Alien 3. Uh, no, I wasn't going to do that. Um, the uh, Probably the, the other biggest difference is just literally one detail at the end. Mm. I believe in the extended cut when Ripley kind of sacrifices herself and she does the the Jesus on a cross pose as she right. goes into the 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 fire um the alien does not actually burst out of her chest. In oh. the theatrical version it does and she grabs it and holds it like no I'm taking you down with oh, me. Oh okay. And okay. she she goes in and dies. I'm not sure which one is better. I think both of the special effects are actually not very well handled. Um sure. In both versions, so I don't know. That that's another weird one where I'm like, I don't feel like you needed to go back and reshoot that. Whatever, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now in the fourth one, she's back, and Winona Ryder is a robot. Yes. So that's the fine. idea of the fourth one is somehow they obtain, I don't know if it's some of Ripley's hair or her blood from this time, and like. 50 or 100 years in the future, they clone her because she had a queen inside of her, so they were able to replicate the queen as well so they could start breeding aliens. It's very... It's it's a stretch. It's a stretch. Cool. <laughs> and that was the last one before Prometheus, right? Uh, if we're not including the Alien versus Predator movies. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
which less said about those, the better. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, I never saw those. Um, yeah. What ratings did y'all give it? Um, let me go back and look. Because I, I think for the longest time, this was the biggest disparity between myself and Tyler grade-wise. Yeah. Because I, I do really like this movie. Um, Alien 3, I gave a B. He gave hmm. a D. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dear me. So what, do you, what are you feeling? I know, uh, based based on our conversation, it sounds like you didn't like it, but you liked it more than Tyler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't make me angry. I was just kind of bored. Um, okay. Let me do D plus for all the uh, aesthetic situations. Okay. Like... I, I just wasn't engaged by it, but I can't, like, it's so, it looks so good. Yeah. So, that's that's what the plus sign is for. Like, I'm almost imagining, like, have Fincher come back and do, like, another Alien movie. Like, sure. Have him was, do, like, I know Neil Blomkamp was supposed to do, like, a soft reboot thing where it that yeah. one is a direct continuation of Aliens. And then Ridley Scott came in and was like, no, I'm making my terrible prequel movies Back off, Buster. <laughs> I kind of wish Fincher would just come in and be like, I'll do it again, and I'll do it right. <laughs> what a, has, has Fincher made a movie set? Was Gone Girl his last movie, is what I'm asking. That sounds right, which is weird, I mean, I because think... that, that came out in 2014, so it's been a while. Yeah, and I know he's been doing, like, Mindhunter, so I don't know if he's just been hanging out on the small screen or what. Maybe. Um... Yeah, I think that was his last film. He needs to make more movies. <laughs> I think for the longest time he was supposed to... He was threatening to do World War Z 2 for oh, some right. reason. And then that ended up not, not happening. Man. He went back to his first love, serial killers. <laughs> Finchy. Yeah, so I'd shall we just? Stand... Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, no. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I I, I probably stand by my grade for uh for Alien Three. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, sure. And no, I, the, I, I I think I was expecting to either genuinely like it or be like, "What? This movie's crazy. It's so bad." And I was like, "Oh, it's just kind of like a okay, yeah, it's just like a movie, right?" Yeah, I I. I regularly return to this movie. Like, I recognize that the first two movies are better. This is the movie I watch the most. For some okay. reason. I don't know sure. why. It's super depressing and very, <laughs> you know, it's got so much melancholy in it. And I'm just like, I like it. <laughs> I like <laughs> the vibe. Just like now, it's film, Melancholia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now we need you to watch Alien Resurrection so you can be like, oh, a kooky French director made this, didn't he? <laughs> That's so bizarre that Jean-Pierre Genet made it, and then he was like, well, enough of monsters. I'm going to go make Amelie. I think that's the interesting thing about the first four Alien movies, though, is that they are... It's like the same story every time, but they get very distinct directors with very distinct styles to tell them, which helps make them feel so vastly different from each other. I don't know. I kind of wish more movies did that. The only one I could think of is like, the first few Mission Impossible movies kind of try right. that, and yeah, know, to less no, success. No, but no, I mean because it's De Palma and then John Woo and then J.J. Abrams, who yeah. are all like J.J. Abrams is still establishing himself, but like 
John Woo and Brian De Palma are very different filmmakers. Yes. Like, you watch the first two movies and you're like, these don't exist in the same universe. Like, it's yeah. just, no, it's not a thing. Sorry, <laughs> it's not a thing. There's Tom Cruise and there's some masks and some people shoot each other. That's that's where the similarities end. <laughs> I gotta go back and watch those again. I don't remember them very well. Um, I know people do not like the second one. Or I, at least the people that I know don't like it. <laughs> Another one that Tyler absolutely loathes. Um, I, it's it's okay in parts, but it's 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 not great, not great. Sure. Which one is Anthony Hopkins in? It's the second one. Okay, that's so funny. Well, um, we can now discuss the House of the Devil. Um, yes. I've got the Rotten Tomatoes up. If if you want me to, <clears throat> sure. <clears throat> Rotten to House of the Devil from 2009, uh, written and directed by Ty West. Uh, 85% critics score and a 63% audience score. Yeah, I guess what going think? along with the theme, I, I, I guess people just don't like slow movies. <laughs> I think, I, And I think that horror movies have a particular stigma when they are not slashers or full of jump scares. Yeah. Like, a, a lot of audiences, not obviously all of them, but a lot of, like, audiences that go to see horror movies go to, like, jump and startle and get their date all scared so then they can go get cozy. But it's – it's this is a, a very different type of, of thing. The premise of, of this movie is a, a woman takes a babysitting job and then the rest, the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's shot like a 70s, early 80s uh, It's shot like a John Carpenter situation. movie. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Like the whole for opening, most of I was the movie, like, this, nothing happens. This feels like it was shot in in like 1985. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it it is not a movie of, of where there's a, not a lot of things happen in it. But it's I feel, I feel like it was very rich. And I think that people, I think it was probably in a way, it's how there are a lot of people that really hate Hereditary because which also may be one of my favorite horror movies ever. I watched it a couple months ago and it's absolutely wonderful. Like it's one of, it was one of my like gateway horror movies. And I think that a lot of people just went into it or the Vavitch is another great example where people went into it being like, Oh, there's a crazy witch or demons or whatever. And they want, they want more like overtly, obviously like this is a scary thing that's happening. There's a guy with an ax chasing you, which is totally fine. Those movies can be great. But then, these are all movies that are looking to do something different stylistically and like I get that Hereditary and especially Midsommar are going to be polarizing but also I'm like I I, I never want to throw the uh, you just didn't get it <laughs> argument right but there are times that I'm like I don't think I think your the, the metric that you are using for your enjoyment is not the metric that this person made or used when they were making it <laughs> like I think you're right. just on different wavelengths but anyway uh, bet what are your best and worst for House of the Devil? Um, may have already kind of given away my hand with my best thing. Uh, it's it's just the look and feel of the movie. Um, Absolutely, I I just love how how it feels like an old classic horror movie from the late seventies, early eighties. Um, yeah, it like it it feels so so much like the first Halloween, where it's just like these these long continuous shots of just like. Our, our female protagonist just kind of walking around exploring her environment. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. The, the movie's just got a, a, a certain look to it, and, and it looks like it was shot on film. I don't know if it actually was. Um, I couldn't tell you. I'll get super pretentious and be like, it was shot on, on 35 millimeter and whatever. <laughs> you can tell by the grain. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is the Robert Richardson joint. I just know it. <laughs> but it, it looks like it's genuinely from that period. Yes. Like, it, it's yeah. so convincing in how it looked. Um, like, if you told me the movie came out in in 1980 and then i didn't know who greta gerwig was then i would be like i agree it probably (laughs) came out in 1980 (laughs) that's the other benefit is there's only two faces in this movie that are for me were recognizable and it's greta gerwig and tom noonan and neither of them at the time greta gerwig wasn't super well known and tom noonan's like a character actor so it's like yeah 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 I, i just the the look and feel of the movie, I was just like, when I got a couple minutes in, and it's just like the opening scene, it's just her, the opening titles is just like her walking around her her campus, and it's like, yeah, it, it's so vacant and empty, and it's it's so atmospheric, and she's just kind of listening to her head, you know, her music. Um, she's listening. Yeah. She's got her her tape, her tape player. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm I'm in. Like, I, I'm good. Let's let's do this. Um, yeah. I guess in terms of a worse thing, I, I would say that overall, the plot of the movie is a little too formulaic for my taste. Sure. Um, yeah, th- it's a movie about style more than anything else. Right. And I think, I, I don't know if this is necessarily a problem or not. It did kind of bother me that the movie's immediately like, it's about a satanic cult. Right. Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so I'm I'm waiting like... A little over an hour to see the satanic cult actually do satanic things. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the movie gives away its hand a little too early. And by a little mm. too early, I mean immediately because it has a title card of like X percentage of, of Americans during this time believe that satanic cults are an actual thing. And a further right, 30% right. think that they're covered up by the government or something like that. Um, yeah. It's like this is inspired by true events, and I'm like, "Oh, satanic cult." Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of wish the movie had built up a little bit more mystery. By I, I feel like by removing that title card, it would have helped because that I would have been like, "I don't quite know what it is. Is it a ghost? Is it something supernatural? Is it a is is the the woman she thinks she's taking care of upstairs? Is it some sort of monster or demon? I don't know what it is, right. and is it get to the, the end boy? of the movie, and I still don't know what it is. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think overall it's just kind of formulaic. And, you know, we get to, get to that, you know, the quote-unquote twist ending where she's been, like, impregnated by this devil demon right, thing. Right, and right, right. She's, she shoots herself in the head because she realizes that she's being, like, possessed. Um, but the end of the movie, she's still in the hospital, and she seems to be healing from the gunshot wound. She might be in a coma. Um, but then it's revealed that she has a baby, and it's like, oh, it's supposed to be like the devil spawn. Okay, yeah, I don't know. that that felt a little too. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it, it, I've I've been there, done this before. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I think it's sometimes with with horror movies. Similarly, sometimes to like superhero movies, by the time you get to the ending, you're like, well, at this point, I already know. Like, it's a showdown with the bad guy, right? And, like, yeah, we're just sort of waiting to see if you do it badly or not. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, 
unless you know they they really just pull something out from under the rug uh yeah i i I know what you mean i think that if if this movie weren't so rich in the way it's made it would be a very forgettable movie which is which i don't even mean as an insult it's just like yeah it's a very sort of straight ahead story and even the twist isn't that appalling um but just the way everything is done and also like that it doesn't just rest on it it doesn't just rest on its style it's not just like we look kind of like an 80s movie get it yeah. for an hour and a half that it still then tried to exploit that and use it effectively um i just i just have this image of her like going up the stairs and like the way the light and the shadow are mixed in the in the um, mm-hmm. in the hallway is just gorgeous like it did you find yourself more unsettled or tense or scared or whatever the word would be before she finds the cult or after like once the cult is doing all the cult stuff um hard to say i guess i i once once greta gerwig like she gets shot and i that came out of nowhere and i was not expecting that like i i was expecting like a slow burn of this guy just kind of like getting under her skin and freaking her out and eventually she gets brought back to the house or something and it's like nope she is not the babysitter she's out of the picture like that just (laughs) that immediately was just like okay and that that's kind of why i'm I'm a little bit disappointed with how where the movie ultimately goes and why it kind of gives away its hand so quickly is like a moment like that is shocking and like so yeah. effective and i wish the movie kind of continued to do that sure um i'm not saying you need to kill somebody out of nowhere every five minutes but um, no no i i know what you're saying but that spirit of like doing something you genuinely don't expect and that is because even just the way that scene is shot it's it feels very much like oh okay so now he the the son has found Greta Gerwig and right. like where's this gonna go what kind of subplot are we oh we're not he just shot her in the head yeah yeah it's it's a very effective surprise yeah um yeah I feel like the movie does a lot of really effective like it uses jump scares in the way that I think jump scares should be used where they are used to punctuate the tension and not to end it well they shouldn't be the point of the movie. Right. Like that's I I cannot stand a horror movie. Like that's that's you know, I I feel like the only example of a horror movie that I've seen that survives the pointless dumb jump scares is the first it movie, and that's because oh, it's sure. actually telling like there's a story going on and characters I yeah. like as opposed to just oh, we're just like killing off a bunch of people that don't actually matter and jump scares. Ooh, spooky clown. Right. Well, and when when a movie's whole scare tactic is Quiet, quiet, quiet. There's a cat. Quiet. Yeah. Quiet, quiet. Pumpkin head. Like, it, it doesn't really... It, you need to... The, the, the way House of the Devil does it is its jump scares, I think, are so effective is because they are usually like, it's a phone ringing or it's, you know, a thunk or something. But it, it's one that's the kind of things that are genuinely unsettling when you are alone in a house by yourself. Right. Um. And it's it also cre- it is the question of like, oh, was that nothing or was that something like what? And, and the tension doesn't go away after that you've been startled by the jump scare. Right. It kind of like jolts you, and it's a nice way of keeping. It's kind of like how I reference Walking Dead a lot on this show. I'm rewatching it, so that's probably why. But it <laughs> um, I feel like every now and again, Walking Dead went. 
we haven't killed anybody in a while. Uh, we just got to have a human die because we need to like <laughs> sustain that like yeah. that momentum throughout our season. Horror movies, I think, have to keep having something scary happen. And the jump scares, I think, in this keep you like, oh, no, don't don't get too complacent. Like it, they keep you on your toes in a way that I think are effective. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't or is effective, which I feel like a lot of jump scare horror movies. Um, you're I haven't seen it, but I'm going to assume bye bye, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't think it. Don't say it, Britain. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> and then Tyler shows up. The tie tie man. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> so I hear you watched Alien 3. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I think that, that this movie is much more set on unsettling you than on, like, startling you. Um, yeah. Although then, like, the stuff with the cult, like, it's, there's some blood and there's some, like, there's some... I, I, am, I find cults very scary um, in movies because and satanic cults and all that because it's not even about is the thing they believe in real it's they're real they'll do whatever to right to you know I, I just think that's a terrifying idea um but uh yeah i i, I find all that still scary because at that point it's not tension building it's just exploiting the tension uh yeah. which i which i which i quite liked yeah i just i just wonder like if the movie didn't outright say it was sat- satanic cults that we're dealing with, sure, and it's just like sure. a slow, you know, continue that slow build, and then you know we get hints here and there of what it is, like the whole building up of like, oh, it's an eclipse. I'm like, oh, right, so something right. supernatural is going on there, and then you get to the end, and she's tied up, and there's a devil star or whatever, and the, and there's like this yeah, deformed yeah. witch lady, and I'm like, what is <laughs> going on? Like, I, I I feel like that that when that kicks in and it, the movie just kind of goes crazy in the last 10 minutes, I feel like that would have been more effective had they not gotcha. Uh, you know, given it away. Um, yeah. Just the whole scene where she's tied up and they, they're like, they're, they're doing this weird ceremony and they're trying to get her to drink blood. And it's like super yeah. messed up. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I liked all that stuff. Um, I did want to ask one question because there was there was a weird plot detail that seemed strange to me. Um, so so she when she gets to the house, they're like, "Oh, you need to order pizza. Make sure you call this number and get the pizza." And it's like, "Oh, they need a method to drug her that way they can yeah. you know tie her up." I get it. Okay. But earlier in the movie, when they're at the pizza place, which I don't know if it's the same place, it's probably not. Greta Gerwig yeah. is like, this pizza is so bad. <laughs> and I'm like, is that supposed to be like a weird setup and payoff? Because when, oh, when the protagonist yeah. tries the pizza at the house, she she's like, oh, this is really bad. I don't know. That, that was I, I couldn't tell if that was just like a weird character quirk for Greta Gerwig. And then, I, I don't know. Right. That, that seemed a little strange to me. I know that's that's nitpicking, but... No, I know what you mean. Because it's not like the, the people plotting that... Cause... Obviously, the pizza is delivered by the son. Yes, to to drug her, but then I don't know if. Yeah, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. It may it may just be one of those like, rhyming dialogue kind of things. Like, because yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I thought about that. Like it almost makes me wonder if it's just like does Ty West just have something against pizza? <laughs> 
Maybe I'm trying to think. I've only, his another movie he made called The Innkeepers. I don't think there's any pizza in it. Mm-hmm. There well, are until ghostesses. he makes him until he makes a a movie where where they have an entire pizza commercial in the movie and it's just glorifying the pizza industry. <laughs> I'm going to stick with my theory. Thai West pizza <laughs> opinions. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh not seeing anything uh snopes what does this say no. uh. <laughs> um yeah i don't think i i have too much more to say about the movie um all the performances are really good and they feel yeah. just really really natural um yeah i think it helps and obviously this was made on like a micro budget but it probably helps that like i I think I remember looking up the the lead actress that she has been in other things, but it's not like Emma Stone. It's not a, a big star, and that yeah. kind of helps like further lose yourself. And I'm watching a movie from the late seventies, early eighties. I don't recognize these people. It's not like you, you put Timothy Chalamet in this. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> and also Greta Gerwig with that feathered hair is so is so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining the version of this movie that has like Sophie Turner. Or, you know, somebody is just like, oh, that's... <laughs> yep. No, she's a good actress. No, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a nice little, almost bottle film that I... I it is, I yeah. Really it's just enjoyed. this neat little, like, indie horror movie. Yeah. Well, I think the movie does a wonderful job that... You know, our protagonist, she doesn't necessarily have, like, tons of dialogue or whatever. And, and you know, a good chunk of the movie is just kind of her walking around this house kind of bored. And, and she she makes some dumb decisions, but also she's very yeah. confused as to why she's there. And so it's it's okay, I guess. Um, I don't know. It got a little bit of that 70s, 80s flavor of, of uh, characters just walking around doing dumb things. Right. Like, she's just kind of <laughs> jamming to her tunes and she knocks over a vase. And it's like... I feel oh, like God, a person that, in this situation part, wouldn't like, actually do that, but sure. Yeah, I think that there's this is you, people complain about characters in horror movies being dumb or not having personalities or anything, and just being like fodder for for murder in, in horror movies. But I feel like in a movie like this, I don't I don't hold it against the film that she doesn't feel like a rich iconic individual, right? And this is not a this is not a slide on the actress at all. It's just like no, I, I you need an avatar, you need a main character to go through this journey, and yep. that's totally fine. If this if this is one of those movies where there had to be a bunch of people saying you're you're a leader, you're born to lead, people just naturally want to follow you. But I was like, wait, do they? I have no idea who this person is. He's blonde. That's all I have. Right. Then I would I would have more of an issue with it. But I think this movie gets by on a lot of those things because it is so rich stylistically. Yeah. Well, I, I think and the movie it, does a wonderful yeah. job, you know, take along with taking its time, even though this is a very short movie, taking its yeah. time to, to kind of explore what her life is like and, and showing mm-hmm. kind of the stuff that stresses her out, the stuff that's bothering her yeah. and kind of the, the stuff that she's currently dealing with. Like she's, she's either graduating or she's getting to the near, end of her semester at college and she's trying to find a place to stay and she's just got this house yeah. so she's desperate for money so she can make the rent 
and she's got a terrible roommate. Like that whole opening where she's just kind of walking around just like perpetually getting more and more stressed by various things. And then she gets this call out of nowhere. Um, I don't know. I found yeah. all that really, really effective. And I feel like that, that was a that, really good yeah. way of, of having us identify with her very quickly. Without having to get into such a, yeah. tons of backstory about, oh, I lost my, my brother in a car accident <laughs> and I've, you know, all this terrible stuff's happened to me in life and, oh no, a, a horrible night is upon me now. And it's like, no, we don't, we don't need that. <laughs> yeah. We don't need the backstory. <laughs> my cousin Nellie, she loved pizza. <laughs> so I always order pizza and remember her. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, the, that, that whole opening it does such a great job of not only setting up the atmosphere and the style of the movie, but also like, here's, here's who she is. Basically here are her personal stakes. Here's why all this stuff is going to happen from a character perspective for her. There you go. Right. And so five minutes right into the movie, you're like, great. I know what I'm in for stylistically. And I know. Yeah. Great. Thank you. That's very efficient use of time. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about the movie. Just a nice little small horror film. Uh, I think it's on yeah. Amazon Prime if, if anyone is interested in it. Um, Grade-wise, I think I'm going to stick with a B-minus for right now. Um, sure. I really enjoyed it, but I don't know. There's, there's something. I, I don't know if it's if it's a literally just removing that title card from the front of it. Um, right. Or, yeah, or gotcha. what, but like, I don't know. A lot of it felt a little more by the numbers that I would than I would have liked, despite having yeah. you know re- really really naturalistic uh, kind of performances and, and you know good production value. So. I'll go I'll go a minus. Yeah, okay. it worked pretty pretty well for me. All right, got any recommendations? Yeah. Um, yeah, not long ago. This is, this is a a soft recommendation, but not long ago I watched, uh, the film Seventh Son. Um, this is a sword and sorcery. I did, I said it was a soft recommendation. Shake your head at me. No, I'm Um, I'm, I'm just more surprised that you put the time in to watch it. (laughs) Well, here's, here's why. So, uh, Flophouse did an episode on it, uh, and they all talked about how, this movie, it is a B movie. It's it's not a, a great piece of art, but everything about it is just that much better. Everyone's trying that much harder. Like Jeff Bridges is totally committing. Julianne Moore is totally committing. And I, I really think that if this movie had been made in the 50s or 60s, like a Ray Harryhausen situation, we would all just look at it as, oh, yeah, fun, like B sword and sorcery fantasy movie. Cool. Right. And it, 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 we're not supposed to take it that seriously. Like, I think the effects are actually pretty solid. And one of the things that I liked about it from a fantasy movie perspective is it's, it's based on some books, but as a movie, it doesn't over-explain its world. It doesn't, like, open with a map and go, all right, so the Emperor Carthazan, he lives in the capital of Dorndrum. And then he was, this, this, our hero was born in the small village of Breakbell. And he has to travel down the river Chassabaz or whatever. And then he gets to the desert called Corinthians, but it's really called Boone. Exactly. Do you get it? (laughs) It's very clearly, it's just a simple, like, it's like a fantasy world and Jeff Bridges uh, hunts witches and ghosts and stuff. And he gets an apprentice and they got to take down a witch. It's very like, as far as a movie like this can be fairly small and it doesn't, 
there's not a whole lot of lore they have to overly explain. It's just like, yeah, this is where we are, whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> like, there, there's a lady who can turn into a leopard. It's crazy. Um, so I think if if someone watches this movie as a B movie, like this is just kind of a fun little thing to have on. I, I think, yeah, it, it is just a little bit better. And I, I think it's a nice little surprise. It's not great by any means, but you know, I think it's a nice little, nice little time. The director who made it made a movie called Mongol, which I genuinely like or liked. I haven't seen it in a long time, but, uh, also, I like watching Jeff Bridges be a weird, mumbly, <laughs> middle-ages exorcist guy. <laughs> Can't say no to that. Uh, yeah. Are you watching anything cool? Um, I'm in the middle of this series. I think CNN did it a few years back called The Movies. Um, oh. Where they kind I of... might know break, this. I think the first episode is like the golden age of hollywood so it's like the 30s through the 50s and kind of after that they take it like a decade at a time um and kind of just talking about a lot of the the very popular or very important films from each of those eras um and they've got like mm-hmm. tons and tons of of really interesting people on there giving commentary like a uh, tom hanks is on there paul thomas nice. anderson's on there spielberg's on hmm. there um They've got all all sorts of of folks on there uh, talking about just talking about the history of movies and or, or, that's awesome. I, I guess specifically American cinema, but um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I'm finding it very interesting. I'm I'm probably about halfway. I think I'm close to finishing the '70s episode because they just hit Star Wars. So <laughs> cool. I've been tease for future recommendations. I've been on a kick of watching like '60s movies and. One movie from 1950, but I've watched like three Billy Wilder movies in the last two weeks. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and some of them I was kind of milk toast on, like The Fortune Cookie and The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, but it's still like, they're, they're not bad. I was just kind of like whatever on them, but I uh, I, I tapped into that, that old movie buff in me and I've been watching some cool stuff. Again, TV, TBA, but... Oh, also, for those of you interested... Uh, despite me constantly saying that Warner Brothers is indeed the worst film studio, because they are, <laughs> um, their YouTube um, channel, I don't know if it's their main one or one of their offshoots, they've recently started releasing a bunch of their older kind of behind-the-scenes documentaries for a lot of their stuff. Mm. So they recently did um, – they released one for the Dark Knight trilogy. There's one for Goodfellas Ooh. that came out. There's one for Mad Max Fury Road. Um so if you're interested in behind-the-scenes stuff for any of those films, um, I think they're continuing to release that stuff. Um, it's it's really interesting. And I think you know, most of it's from like the DVD or Blu-ray releases, so it's, it's sure. not like new material. But if you haven't seen that stuff before, it's definitely interesting to take a look at, particularly the Fury Road one. Very interesting. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Let me look that up. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been able to keep a pretty good backlog of my – of of movies to to recommend. Uh, also, uh, I forgot to mention if, if it tells you anything about my opinion of Alien Three or my experience. My last note that I wrote for it is, well, now I'm out of cobbler, so good luck, movie. And that is followed <laughs> by an empty bullet point. <laughs> I haven't mentioned what my favorite moment of that entire movie is. Um, it's it's when the uh, the head of the prison uh he's like uh, get get that woman back to the infirmary and the alien just snatches him out of nowhere oh, yeah. and pulls him up into the <laughs> vent 
And there's just when like, just like Arkham Knights him, yeah. And it just is like ton, tons of blood, and he's got like the stress ball that just kind of bounces away. Yeah. And the one, <laughs> the one guy, the one prisoner, I think Morse, maybe this is his name, but he's the one that survives mm. at the end of the movie. He he's just like holding a chair, like he's gonna he's gonna use oh, it to yeah. attack the yeah, alien. Yeah, yeah. And he just screams the f word, and I'm like, that is just. <laughs> That might be the funniest F-bomb I've ever seen in a movie outside of Dark Phoenix. But that's funny for all the <laughs> wrong reasons. <laughs> when was it in Dark Phoenix again? When Psychoff says, if you touch her, I will effing kill you. Oh, that's you. right. <laughs> and then it immediately cuts like Magneto and Professor X didn't even hear that dialogue. Because they just continue their conversation. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, what a movie. Another movie that, that people hate that I somehow like, although I don't think that one's good. I think Alien 3 actually has <laughs> some redeeming qualities. <laughs> so I, I would certainly say that. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, thank you guys for, for tuning in this week. Uh, speaking of Dark Phoenix, we'll be back with Sansa and Fox. <laughs> and... I really thought you were going to say and Jessica Chastain. Oh, wait. <laughs> and Jessica Chastain and uh, Hodor and the whole team <laughs> theoretically again we we are uh letting letting Tyler do his thing obviously he's got a little little child and that's more important yeah um so yeah next week you will either hear uh Alex and me talking some more movies or we'll be talking Game of Thrones um but either way we'll be talking <laughs> <laughs> and we won't stop nope you guys don't realize like we turn off the recording and then we just turn it back on every week. We we consistently speak. Yeah, we, we never we never stop. Nope. You know, I'm <laughs> because, thinking uh, I'm thinking next next week. You know, I'm going to watch Alien Three again. <laughs> we'll do a reverse. I'll watch House of the Devil and you watch Alien Three. Or I th- I, we do Game of, we do Game of Thrones, but you don't talk about Game of Thrones. You only talk about Alien Three. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I don't know if if everyone realizes Tyler is, is is typically the editor for the episodes, so he has to listen to to a lot of the conversation. So I just want him to hear us talk more about Alien Three. <laughs> it's going to be interesting when people listen to this episode and they don't know what movie I'm talking about because it's been bleeped out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll magically just half the episode's audio just disappeared. I, I don't know. Oh, that's so weird. Okay, well, right. it must have been a ghost. It's Halloween. It's okay. Ten years later, I'll mysteriously leak out the assembly cut version of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you guys have some movies you want us to watch in the, these unprecedented times... Or if you want to wish Tyler well or any other thing, you can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at HCTsequels. You can find us on Google. <laughs> I mean, that is on true. Com- if you Google us, computer. you can find us. You can compute. Now, uh, uh, Spotify and SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we're on there. And, of course, at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com, our picturesque home. Um, guys, until next week, uh, we're closing the, the coffin lid on the Spooky Buddies episode for this week. Maybe we'll reopen it uh, in a week, maybe in, in eras untold. <laughs> but until that go- ghoulish hour, <laughs> um, I've been Britain. I've been Alex. And you're... 
having a spooky night. 